Hi, this is Stu Hynek, author of How to Grow Your Business Like a Weed, and you're listening to My Quest for the Best with Bill Ringel. Joining me today is Stu Hynek. Stu Hynek is a Wall Street Journal cartoonist, Hall of Fame-nominated marketer, and the best-selling author of the books How to Get a Meeting with Anyone and Get the Meeting. Stu is also the founder of Cartoonist.org, a group of Wall Street Journal and New Yorker cartoonists who donate their art to help charities raise funds. Stu lives outside Seattle, Washington, and is here to talk about his book, How to Grow Your Business Like a Weed. Welcome, Stu. Thank you so much. Gosh, it sounds like such a terribly serious title, doesn't it? Yes. I'm sure people will make that mistake very easily, but help set them straight by sharing with us a quote that guides your thinking or personal development these days. The weeds can't talk, but I've divined some messages from them. One of the things that I think they would tell us if they could speak is deal with what is. Isn't that interesting? Because it's such a simple thing. Deal with what is. We go through upsets and setbacks and throughout our lives, just ruminate on those things. It's, oh my God. If this hadn't happened, then I would have been so much further ahead. Or I deserve this and I'm not getting it. All these things, all these slights, all these things that have set us back or held us back. And we tend to just focus on those things, just obsess over those things instead of doing what's needed. When the weeds say deal with what is, it's not an easy thing to do. But I find myself doing that all the time. This morning, we had technical difficulties and I lost an interview. I'm just so upset that I'm saying to myself, even the deal with what is. So the result is, okay, fix the problem. What is the problem? problem, find it, deal with it, get on the phone with Logitech, get on the phone with Apple, find out what the problem is and fix it. Here we are. Deal with what is. That's very plain advice from weeds that are off very plain looking. And superficially, weeds can get a bad rap. They aren't the pretty flowers. They grow too fast. They appear when and where I don't want them to and so on. (laughs) What was the moment when this idea of the weed as a model for business growth came to you? Many years ago, I was driving down the Santa Monica freeway and it was a beautiful day and the cars were rushing and there was six lanes of traffic going one way and six lanes coming the other way and maybe a 40 foot wide median. It's a whole lot of concrete and roaring tires, speeding tires and not a place for a seed to land and take root at all. But then there was a crack in the concrete in the median. I noticed a dandelion growing out of it. This is a site that we see all the time. They're always growing out of cracks and crevices and even our gutters everywhere. They grow from everywhere. It wasn't an unusual site in itself, but I looked at it just, isn't that a miracle? Look at this thing. It has this happy yellow flowers and those, they're not pretty, but those, the geodesic seed pods and they're blowing around the seed pods are plants kids. We used to blow them around. It had all that going on and it actually looked happy being there in the middle of the freeway in the median. I thought, isn't that interesting? It was just happily running its process. It didn't look like it was saying, this sucks. I really saw myself as living at the beach or something like that. It's not focused on the things that aren't happening or didn't happen. It's just there running its process. It looks awfully optimistic. And I just thought, I hope I can live up to that example. Because if you think about it, on the one hand, you'd say, how on earth did that get there? Because there's no apple trees growing out of the crack in the concrete. There's no petunias or, I don't know, rose bushes, because those plants couldn't make it as a weed. Think about it. But what happens with the dandelion, it blows those seeds around and it says, you know exactly why it's there. So all that happened in a split second. That's amazing. Now, let's go beneath the surface. And I'm just going to give fair warning to listeners that puns will abound in this conversation when Stu and I start to dig around. Oh, there we go. What do weeds? do that is admirable and worth considering as traits to admire, adopt, or emulate? I think the first thing is that 
if you watch what weeds do, the weeds never do anything without an unfair advantage. And that's exactly how we need to be in business. If we expect to grow and thrive, you can't do it without unfair advantages because you've got to compete. We're all in competition for... Oh, this is especially yeah. true for smaller businesses. Yeah, it's true for all businesses. But yeah, small businesses have their own set of circumstances that if you show up and you maybe lack in momentum and so forth, the things that maybe some of the bigger companies have, the, the funding, etc., you better have an unfair advantage or you're not going anywhere. I live in a little town on an island just a little bit north of Seattle and it's a touristy town. There's a little village and in the village are all these little shops, all the tourists come to them. I can't tell you how many times we've seen business owners start up a little shop and they're selling curios and soap and incense, all things that people don't need at all. You just look at it, these businesses have no advantages at all except for the location. They're in a cute little town. They're on Main Street on a cute little town. That's great. Actually a great unfair advantage, but otherwise they're not going to survive and they don't survive. They just wander aimlessly, but they don't They don't thrive. So we have to have those kinds of unfair advantages or we will perish as well. Well, you talk about optimism, where weeds seem to have just this boundless optimism where they're going to set down their seeds, they're going to be spreading their seeds, they're going to be continually looking to put roots down, and regardless, they weren't invited, they're party crashers, they know it, and they continue to put down weeds. What you're saying is that we need to have that sense of continuing to market, continuing to put our thoughts and our success stories and everything else out there to attract others to us. They're not really party crashers per se. They're conquerors. You think of them as warriors. And the battle is for turf, just like it is in business. It really, literally is. They're warriors. And it's not just single warriors. They're armies, actually, of warriors. They're out to conquer. Parties are just too light for them. They are out to conquer and they've got everything they need to do it. What are some of the assets that weeds bring that we could learn from figuratively or metaphorically? Well, here's the interesting thing. Weeds come in all shapes and sizes. If you think about what weeds are, you've mentioned it already. You've said that they're uninvited. That's what they are. They're just plants that we deem inconvenient. So we call them weeds. And I guess it's just a derogatory comment in a way. But if you think about it, we actually have a model that they use. They come in all shapes and sizes, but they all follow the same formula, which is they all leverage a fierce mindset and cultivated unfair advantages against collective scale. And they do it according to a process that is honed over millions of years, but also absolutely alive and vital and ready to take on any challenge because that's what they do in their process. They run that process with this optimism and aggression and resilience and adaptability and so forth. How could something with no brain have a mindset, but they actually do? You mentioned optimism and optimism can be probably defined in many ways, but certainly one that I use is the absence of depression. When we're depressed, we act in ways that are diminished from what we usually do when we're feeling more optimistic and more excited. Our sphere of activity just expands greatly. We do things quicker with, with a lot more force, the determination and belief and conviction. That's what weeds are doing all the time. In that sense, they have optimism. They act the way they would, where they just start right at optimum activation all the time. When I read that and thought of the mindset, I realized that there was a mindfulness industry that had taken root in the last few years. And now you're coming along to offer the grow like a weed mindset. It's really a disposition. But you're saying, no, if you have these sorts of thoughts and ambitions and game plans to follow a process and grow, then you will tap more of your resources. And undoubtedly, the more activity you have to put into your marketing, the more you will find that seeds will take root. With that disposition, describe more of this invitation to think like a weed in order to grow your business. What types of activities will people notice once they embrace it the way that you're encouraging us to? It takes a lot of forms. So let's just say I identified six attributes that define the weed mindset. One of them is optimism, but also 
also there is urgency and aggression and persistence and uh, adaptability and resilience. There, there are overlaps between these. They, they, they flow together. But when we think about, obviously, I, I, any of these, actually, persistence is one of those words that we hear over and over again. If you're going to succeed, you've got to persist. You can't succeed without persisting. I think that persistence actually is a throttle. The amount that you persist is how quickly you're going to grow. We see that over and over again in business, in our own businesses and others. Another one that I think is really interesting, and it's part of the weed mindset, but it comes up in different spots in the book, which is that we also need to scale like a weed. Well, we're looking to scale our businesses. To scale like a weed is actually about discovering or figuring out that you can't do it all on your own. No, so, growing versus scaling. What does that mean to you, just uh, in a business sense? I, I, growth really is an increase in revenues and in influence and in market share. But scaling is different because you mentioned small businesses before. A lot of small business owners are in it just themselves. They're solopreneurs, we could call them. There's a tendency to act within one-to-one leverage. In fact, we're taught to do that from childhood. Let's say the first time you play a musical chairs and you're the one left out, you, you realize, oh my God, wait a minute. I thought I was supposed to still have a chair. I don't. So next time you're hypervigilant when the music stops, boom, you're on it. And it teaches us to be resilient and self-reliant, really. And that continues through school. We were encouraged to study hard, get good grades, get into a good school, then get a good job. All that is growth, but it's not scale. You can't you can't have a thousand jobs. Scaling is about involving a much bigger network, a much bigger organization or entity than just yourself. And we do that by getting away from or rooting out all forms of one-to-one leverage in our lives. It's interesting because I'm still there. I find myself doing this all the time saying, oh, I, I can teach myself how to do that or I can do that. I'll take care of that. And I'll take care of this. There's only so much of your time to go around. And so you realize this is not as strong as it will be if I create a team around it. The weeds suggest we need to root out all forms of one-to-one leverage, but we need to quickly move to multi-channel leverage. And finally, collective scale is what you see when you notice a dandelion in your lawn. Then you look up and say, oh my God, but it's not one, it's many. There are lots of them out there. There might be hundreds out there. The fact is that if you just saw one dandelion showing up in your lawn, it wouldn't be much problem. You just pull it out and you're done. But that's not the way they operate. They operate at collective scale and they operate at scale, which is what we need to do. If we're just one, it's easy for us to be uprooted. If we're part of an army, then something changes. The impact is completely different. What's an example? that you learned of about how people could get together, either through your own associations that you've formed or ways that you've made connections in order to develop that scale, to get more visibility, to gain more influence, all sorts of approaches like that. What's a concrete example you could share about how to scale versus how to grow? I'm an author and I've found that a wonderful thing that authors tend to stick together and help each other. It's really wonderful. So they form a community or they form a collective. I guess we just call it a collective. I, put together a group called Authors Leverage, and it's a group of about 20 authors. And we get together every Friday. I host it on Zoom. And we have speakers come in and they talk to us about monikers. Mine is the chief weed officer, or maybe chief weed officer of the world, but monikers and and how to prompt more sales, bulk sales, product placements, all kinds of really interesting stuff about how can we increase the, the scale of our books. We've teamed up and we support each other. When getting onto podcasts, their podcast is quite easy because you say, hey, by the way, Stu, we know you have 
have a launch coming up. Join me on Let's Book You on my podcast. There's all kinds of really interesting things that happen. Referrals happen. Referrals is a big one. We're always told we need to work together. And the more we work together, the stronger we become. That really takes shape with referrals and referral sources, referral partnerships. And I have those going and I realized I haven't been developing those as much as I should. And as soon as I do, it's just interesting. There is a scaling because I'm reaching out and teaming up with all these, let's say, prominent players in the sales space because I have their earlier book, How to Get a Meeting with Anyone, and I help sales teams break through to their top accounts. I create campaigns to help them do that. It's just so much easier to team up with some of the great thought leaders in sales. We do a little bit of a rev share and we they bring my solutions to their clients and we both get something from it. We both grow from it. Forming those partnerships is a huge part of this, actually. But any sort of partnerships, anything that opens up new channels of sales, anything that, as I mentioned, opens up new access to clients or to other kinds of resources, those are what you want to do. Those are what you want to pursue. What I hear you saying is that whenever you start to hire a team, whenever you start to form strategic partnerships, whenever you form a mastermind group, or even when you create products, then you don't have to be physically present in order for people to learn and benefit from, like a book, like an online course, like a download. All of those are ways to scale your company rather than grow it, because growth is something where you're involved in, and it grows maybe in a linear fashion, or maybe a, you could even do a geometric fashion. But when you're scaling, you're using other people's ideas, relationships, in order to gain economies of scale. Is that the distinction that you draw as well? Am I understanding that correctly? I, think, I don't know that I would think about them as quite so separate an entity, but but yes, I think that makes a lot of sense. The more you team up there for you, the more, the more you create scale around you, the more your enterprise will grow. Let me circle back to something you dropped in. You talked about the chief weed officer before. Now that's a phrase you don't hear every day, Stu. Say more about that, please. I think there's a little bit of title inflation going on with chief anything officer. Why not chief weed officer? But the fact is somebody needs to be responsible for weed strategy and growth in an enterprise. And so I do think that we're going to start seeing chief weed officers in the future. A lot has to happen. People need to read the book and say, I get it. And weed strategy is something that we want to apply to the business because not only does it talk about or cover the mindset or or culture of the company, but it also talks about developing and cultivating unfair advantages. There's a whole model for doing that. Then scaling the business or creating scale around the business. All of these things are important aspects. I almost forgot the big one, creating a process. It's really interesting. Again, if you have a small business, chances are really good you don't have a recorded process. And financial advisors are fond of saying that, I don't know if they are fond, I don't know if they enjoy it, but they certainly say it a lot that when they have clients that are small business owners who come to them at the end of their run. They're, they're ready to retire. They're ready to sell their businesses. One of the first things they ask them is, do you have a process that's recorded and transferable? If they don't, and most of them don't, then all they've done is created a job. It's like the perfect job for themselves, but they haven't built a business. Without process, there is no business because it has to be transferable. And think about what process is. It's the accumulation of expertise that is then mapped across an entire organization so that the entire organization operates as an expert. If that's not there and established, then you don't even have anything to sell to someone. It's startling news, yet so true to realize now, rather than when you're saying, so what's my business worth? One of the things that I love is that I hadn't thought that there were many positive attributes of weeds before. What I love is how you literally went through and cultivated all of these great collections of wheat quotes, starting with 
give a weed an inch and it will take a yard. Just love that one. <laughs> the pun of that is just so funny. But then you also have David Petraeus saying having weed-like sheer determination is a tremendous asset as a leader. From a military standpoint, weed attributes are essential. Another general, Barry McCaffrey said, what has it surprised you the most as you started doing research for your book? I'll say one thing. Um, there's so many things that, that were surprises, but one is, since we were talking about quotes, is that I've looked for positive quotes about weeds because weeds aren't just junk. They aren't just pests. We know what it means to grow like a weed. So there ought to be quotes out there by prominent people about weeds being positive for inspiring growth and showing us, showing the way of how to grow anything. That was one, just that there were no positive or very few positive quotes about weeds. There's one by the Bishop, Bishop of Geneva, that's, I think, quoted in church a lot or churches a lot, bloom where you are. And that's not necessarily a weed quote, but it surely does fit weeds. It doesn't say weed, but surely fits weeds. I guess that was one. And driving down the Santa Monica Freeway, it said, oh my God, I hope I live up to that. From that point on, I was curious and I've been curious for decades. What are weeds? How are they doing this? What are they doing to grow like they do? What are the strategies and attributes and tools they're using? And is there a model that we can apply to our business? I think the really wonderful thing is they have a definite model. I quoted it to you earlier and it absolutely applies to our businesses. It applies really well to our businesses. I'll say that as I've been writing the book even, so you mentioned what's the big surprise of researching the book. As I've been doing that and writing the book, then rewriting it in, in edits, I'm saying, oh my God, I'm making all these mistakes. I really need to fix these mistakes. And as I've fixed them, my business has been growing. That's pretty cool. That's probably the nicest surprise of all. Right, because you're actually adopting the qualities you talk about, refining them, reactivating them, and you add some water and some sunlight to areas and you're going to get some more activity there. Absolutely. What was a particular example of something that you reactivated in your business and it started to bear fruit? The big one was rooting out that all of those forms of one-to-one -one leverage and I build it into everything and it's horrible. As an example, a lot of my work is it's creative work and it's not easily handed off. I mean, you can, but it's not easily handed off with great satisfaction. And so I built all of the campaigns I mentioned that I use to help sales teams break through to their top accounts. I built it in a way that it absolutely involves my labor all the way through the process. That's not good. That's not the way to grow a business. You don't want to be part of the deliverable if you're the founder of the business. And so the way that I've been producing the big board campaigns, these big cartoon pieces that have a cartoon about about each recipient or I write the copy for it and all this stuff, but I've been producing them as though they're one-off prototypes. That's the production process. It's really labor intensive. They look great. They're cool. And they look like nothing you've ever seen before. That's great. They've got a lot of impact. But if I'm part of the process of actually delivering those, then I'm the bottleneck. That's horrible. I shouldn't be doing that. Just productizing or- It makes it hard to go on vacation, doesn't it? You can't do anything. That's what is just, just going from that to productizing what you do. When each of us builds ourselves into the process, we're the ones muttering at night, these people who talk about making money when they sleep. No one's going to be finishing my drawing. No one's going to be finishing my coding. No one's going to write the end of that chapter for me. Yeah, you might come up with ideas while you're trying to sleep. <laughs> you're not making money while you sleep when you run it that way. But when you productize, you do. Then you, obviously you sell. If you're selling online, you're selling all the time. You're consulting into a course online. Then that changes the, the scale at which you can bring that information to the market and have something happen. So productizing is a big one because it removes you from the deliverable. What did you productize? Do you have something that you can talk about? I have a new partnership. I can't say much yet, but I have a new partnership with the big boards so that now they're part of a bigger campaign. They're sold through a, a much larger organization. They have SDRs who can 
can follow up on those things and they help the client do that. Social media contacts with each of these things. We take the, the assets, let's say the cartoon, and we use it on, or they use it on social media. To, all these things that I couldn't, there's no way I wouldn't have the time or the, the bandwidth to be able to do that. But they're great enhancements to the campaigns. At the same time, because they're producing the, the big board's and I don't have to produce them, we're productizing that part of it, then I'm not the bottleneck. But also my efforts, my time is not the bottleneck either because the bottle, I can only sell so much, but they have a lot more access to clients than I do that. So all of that ends up changing the whole tenor of, of your business. That's, I think, the thing that, that's probably one of the biggest things that I've taken from writing the book myself, going through the process of reading it and saying, wait a minute, hold on a second. In my own business, I think I need to pay attention to this. There's some things that I do really well, really naturally, like my cartoons, Get a, they get a lot of visibility, those kinds of things. Really, that's not the thing that I need so much help on, but it's just everything else. You can't just be I'm touching upon seed strategy and a, a seed is not a plant. So you can't just go around creating all sorts of seeds if it doesn't turn into plants, if that makes any sense. What you're saying is you have to monitor the activities that you're experimenting with so that you can put more energy behind the ones that actually do take root rather than just scattering seeds everywhere because we don't have endless resources to deploy that way. I, I think that's partly what I'm saying, but also there's a whole model the WEEDS model is an acronym for WEED Inspired Enterprise Expansion and Domination Strategies. That's how it started out. But really, there are eight levels of strategies. There's seed strategy, which is analogous to anything that causes people to become aware of you and form the intent to transact with you in some way. We're doing this right now. There's seed pod strategy. We're also doing that right now because you are my seed. You have an audience that I'm reaching because of this interview. And so that's a level of strategy. Then the next one down is thorn strategy. How do we protect our IP? How do we protect our positions? You could call it field if you want to talk about weeds or in our markets. But how do we protect our turf? And then segmentations are really interesting ones. Some of these weeds, if you grab a weed, you'll notice this in, in action. If you are weeding in your yard and you grab a weed and you pull and you just get a handful of leaves, let's say, or some of the stalks, but you didn't get the weed, you didn't pull it out by the root, that's segmentation. It's done purposely to limit the damage that can be done to the weed. There are strategies to do that to our businesses to safeguard us from, from disruption, pandemics, and, and recessions. And then it goes all the way down through through root strategy and soil strategy and so conditions to help business grow and root strategy is a big one that's where all all the, the life force of the plant but also the value of the business is stored and cultivated and curated all these things have to be happening at once the thing that's I think is really interesting is I'm an ideas guy I do that I do that naturally but I'm not so much a root strategy guy I would never make it as a financial advisor not as an accountant but you need people who have those orientations and skills or you're not going to survive another thing that this does for us is it just reminds us we have to be active on all eight levels you can't just be active on one or two that's why delegation and building relationships and having the mindset of doing this as an army makes so much sense because you can't gain an unfair advantage if you're the one who's trying to do all of these things. And each of us has limits of time and energy and inclination to want to do some of these things. People who love to have spreadsheets done just dread the ideas where people sit around a room and say, okay, let's come up with new ideas. And we should really play to our strengths because that's where we'll have the most fruition. The biggest contributions we could make will come from our strengths. I was going to say play to our strengths, but also realize that we don't have strengths everywhere and we shouldn't and we need a team. 
we need to scale in that way with a team of people that have different strengths. That's how we, it's such an obvious thing, but the weeds show us what it, how it looks like in action and how powerful it can be. But so we can't, again, another reason why we should not be toiling under one-to-one leverage. Well, Stu, you have shown us so many things through your investigation of the weeds and your call to us to grow your business like a weed is inspiring as well as an invitation for us to get down in the dirt and get our hands dirt to look at things in ways that we haven't thought of doing it before. I want to thank you so much for encouraging us to approach things with an unfair advantage of looking for total domination, being able to look at both the offensive and defensive qualities and traits of weeds and transfer those into our business. You've taught us that weeds aren't just things that are to be overlooked or pulled out, but they're like Rudolph's red nose. Things that said, hey, look, actually turned out under the right conditions and in the right context to be extremely and uniquely valuable. For these reasons and so many more, Stu Hennick, I want to thank you for joining me on my quest for the best. What a pleasure. Thank you so much. Stu, before we say goodbye for now, where is it we can find out more about you, your work, and the world domination you have through teaching people about how to grow your business like a weed. I would encourage you to come to my author site. So that's stuheinick.com. We're going to point to stuheinick.com in the show notes. We're going to point to your social media as well as places to buy the book to make it super easy for everyone listening to be able to go there and find out more about what's going on with you in your world. So Stu Heineck, author of How to Grow Your Business Like a Weed, I want to thank you once again for joining me on my quest for the best. Thank you so much for having me on the show, Bill. Hi, this is Bill, and I hope you've enjoyed this podcast interview on my quest for the best. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, or your favorite app so you never miss an episode full of stories, tips, and insights for the ambitious small business leader. Now I have a quick request for you. Please go to Apple Podcasts and iTunes and give us a rating and review. My team and I really appreciate the feedback, and we read every comment to find out what you enjoy and what you want as we develop new content, course materials, and a few surprises that we have in store for you. When you rate and review my quest for the best, you help other small business leaders find us, subscribe to the podcast, and join the community. You can get the Insider's e-newsletter for small business leaders by going to myquestforthebest.com. We have chosen a challenging path to make a living and make a difference in the world, and I believe it's important to share top-notch resources with each other, which is why you'll find new episodes from top thought leaders and small business experts on my quest for the best each week. Thanks for listening and being part of the community. See you on the next episode.